Welcome to Messy Workplace, a podcast where we reimagine what a healthy work culture looks like. Life is not static, whether it's a hardship in the workplace or difficulties at home. You may be continually overwhelmed, grasping for a breath. We want to do life alongside you, talking about the things that matter to you. This isn't another leadership podcast, but rather a podcast on how to be holistically healthy in the workplace, at home, and on the run. We may carry the fight we had with our spouse the night before into work that morning, and then a coworker gets on our last nerve and agitation runs rampant. Then we take it out on the kids that evening. It's a never-ending cycle of frustration, hurt, and pain. Life isn't as clear-cut as we'd like it to be, and that's okay. Life is messy sometimes, but it doesn't have to be all the time. Embrace it and find new ways to re-emerge from the mess into a more healthy lifestyle. Welcome to Messy Workplace. Jose Alfaro works to build strong and sustainable business models to support work at scale. He loves creative approaches to helping individuals and communities thrive through entrepreneurship. His first business was a catering company, but his dream is to build a sustainable food accelerator that supports minorities by expressing their culture through food. Jose, thank you for being on the Messy Workplace podcast today. Thank you for having me. Jose, we've been excited to have you on this podcast. Uh, you are uh, a person that understands culture and workplace culture and uh, through co-starters uh, we've seen some great work that you've done and we just wanted to talk to you a little bit today about that but first man i just want to ask you where are you from where did you grow up yeah um i grew up in washington dc and actually the actual capital um a few a few years later i think in, in my early teens i moved to uh to the suburbs of, of the DC area, cause some Montgomery County areas so of Silver Spring, Chevy Chase, Bethesda kind of area. So that's that's where I'm originally from. Then after that, when I went to college and kind of got out of the nest, I just kind of went everywhere and just, you know, spread my wings. And so I lived in Dallas and uh, spent some time in some other cities out in Boston and, um, you know, out in the South by Arizona, Phoenix, Arizona. So just really loved to travel and just, kind of you know visit different places and just live there for a few months uh, a few months out of, uh, out of the year yeah. wow that's exciting man that sounds like an exciting life tell us a little bit about your family and, and what you guys where you guys are at today you're in fort worth right yeah so yeah my wife and i um we met in dallas um but uh <laughs> i when we were what i think we we're dating for two months and then i was like hey by the way, I'm moving to Chattanooga, <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and uh, she is amazing. And she followed me to Chattanooga. We got married, and uh, and we have two beautiful boys, uh, Liam, who's three and a half, and Abel, who's one and a half. And um, you know, I think during the pandemic, we just realized that family was really important. And as beautiful and amazing as Chattanooga, Chattanooga is. Um, you just can't be family. Family mm -hmm. is a really important yeah. thing. And so my wife's family is um, all from the, the, you know, East Texas kind of area. So they're kind of a little bit spread out, but you know, East and North Texas. And so we said, we just got to go back home and it's, um, yeah. it's been a blessing. That's been a really true blessing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I lived in Texas for a couple of years and I love Texas. It's a great place. You know, you and I have both lived in Chattanooga. We're, you know, work chaplain is based in Chattanooga. And that's kind of where we've uh, crossed paths. Uh, what took you to Chattanooga? Oh, man. Um, I don't know that we can cover the whole story here <laughs> in the podcast. <laughs> oh, we have time. Go ahead. <laughs> well, you know, so I'll, I'll, I'll 
try to make it short. In essence, you know, um, I, I work in the hospitality industry, right? And yeah. um, that industry is just very cutthroat. Uh, a lot of good, a lot of good, a lot of good people work in that industry, but it's very cutthroat and not the culture that I believe, um, you know, in, in my faith um, and, and following the Lord is that it, do, it doesn't really promote the culture that I believe about kingdom mindset, right? Mm -hmm. Is that, you know, you're pinning each other against each other. Who's doing more productive work? Um, yeah. It's always about the bottom line. And there is development of people, but not in a way where you're really taking that, taking that human, um, the, the humanness of that individual. Yeah. And so um, I was just like, I'm tired of this. I need something different. Um, and, uh, you know, I met uh, through a friend of mine, I met a gentleman who was uh, starting a ministry out in Cleveland, Tennessee, the Chattanooga area. Yeah. And he was like, uh, so we got to connect and talk. And he was like, do you want to come? And I was like, I don't know, maybe I, I'll do anything right now. Right. And so through that, um, I was driving one day from work and I was just so tired of it. Right. Like, again, I love the people that work in the hospital. It's just the industry is just hard. Um, yes. and, you know, and I was coming home. I think I just had to work the 13 hour shift and I'm like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I want to do something that really like pulls out my why my passions about people. And, um, I just had this inkling of like, I just got to move. I got to go. I got to do it. And so I called him up and I said, uh, when are we moving? <laughs> and so uh, I basically gave, a, you know, I think a two to three month notice, right? Because it was just going to take a big transition. Yeah. Um, especially in the roles that I was playing. You know, I just didn't want to leave in like two weeks. It just, it wouldn't really leave the the, the company to, to have the success that they needed. Um, and then also my, you know, taking care of things at home for myself. And so gave my notice, uh, you know, started getting ready to, to move and went to go visit, went to visit Chattanooga and I fell in love with it. So that's how it started. Um, you know, the story in Chattanooga is very different after mm -hmm. that. Sure. Uh, but, but yeah, that's what, what, that's what, you know, took me to Chattanooga. It's just uh, taking a leap of faith of just moving forward. Wow. So you, um, eventually got, um, started with this company or organization called co-starters. Um, am I correct in saying that? Well, yeah, so I did not start with co-starters um, uh, when I moved to Chattanooga. I actually worked in a ministry, uh, a kind of church setting out in Cleveland. Um, and again, uh, you know, for me, again, I was trying to find this truth of like, how do you help people flourish? I, yeah. I think that's the best way to describe kind of what the tension. At that moment, I didn't really understand what was going on. I was had this tension of like making money, mm -hmm. but helping people. And yeah. sometimes those two don't go hand in hand, <laughs> yeah. right? And so, um, so you know, I I kind of left the church planting thing with the ministry, and I was like, I, I, I that's not for me. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, <laughs> I didn't have a job for four months, mm -hmm. you know. And so I ended up working at another restaurant after you know money started getting depleted because I wasn't having any income for four months and I was living off my savings. Mm -hmm. So I found a job again in the hospitality industry. Got married. I remember this, my wife was like, you know, I remember one time I came home at two in the morning and she looked at me and she says, I'm not doing this anymore. And I was like, wow. I've just been married for two weeks. This is not going to go good. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And so, um, took another leap of faith. And, um, at that moment I was going to the mission and I really loved that the mission Chattanooga is the, mm -hmm. the way that they create culture yeah. through the city and really are invested in the city. And, and as, as a church that really invests in, invests in its community. And I was going there and they were moving from their south side location to them to the to the uh, um, kind of innovation district. Right. And um, 
we just started talking and it made sense for me to just join their team. Um, uh-huh. Obviously big pay cut, but for me, I was like, wait a minute, I, I get to do something amazing. So I worked at the mission for three years. And then from there, I met Enoch, the founder of Co-Starters, mm-hmm. and we started talking about Co-Starters and I fell in love with the vision of Co-Starters. And it's this, the vision wasn't about winning tomorrow. Yeah, it right. was about an in, like a, an infinite long-term like changing the course of humanity kind of vision. And I was like, where do I sign up? I want to come in. I don't care if I, you know, sweep the floors, right? Like (laughs) I just want to be a part of that. And so that led me to co-starters and just my experience in in the corporate world, my experience in business and starting my own businesses and Mm -hmm. having success and failures uh, has brought me into the role of, 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 COO and, and, and really being a partner of, of co-starters and really seeing it just continue to thrive and, and make impacts across the nation. Wow. So how, um, how would you say you kind of integrated then the work and the faith aspect uh, of your life? And like, what was kind of that process um, and, and that tension? Because it, it usually is a tension of, you know, I, from my background, I came from a similar situation, not in the food industry, because I can't really cook but um in a technological aspect of you know I'm, I'm doing this thing i'm traveling i'm making money but you know what worth is it if you gain the whole world and, and lose your soul um but at the same time it's like you have these gifts you have these passions you have these desires and so integrating those with your faith um what are some practical ways uh for people to do that you know um i think first is that they're it never goes away. I think people need to understand that like, when you find that thing that drives and motivates you, um, we live in a society that is um, win at all costs. Yeah. And, you know, if you look back um, traditionally at faith and the, like the, the, the reformation of church when the, you know, the pilgrimage of coming to this country and the founding fathers you know, they left what they believed was the founding faith and are like, we don't have a home anymore, right? Because it was either Catholicism, you know, um, uh, Presbyterian or or, or um, Lutheran, right? right? It was just kind of like, but you were a communal church. Now you're an individual and now you don't have a denomination to really be like, this is my faith. And if you look at, if you study sociology, you start realizing that, you know, Protestants viewed God's prosperity as love. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's a wrong way to look at things, but it's not the only way to look at things, right? So if we have that context to understand that from a foundation, this country was built on prosperity is the way God loves me. Mm-hmm. Our way that we look at the world is going to be very different. Mm-hmm. Um, so to the listeners is that like, you're always going to have that tension until society does make that shift. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, in my family, they didn't value being a business owner. They value being a doctor, a lawyer, or, or some type of political legislator because they saw that as power and strength, right? And it's always about, and it's a, a lot of that is in the West and not only in the U.S., but like all of Central America and the, in, in the South America, right? And I would call it the Americas, right? Mm-hmm. Has this like, I need power. Um, right. And so... Um, because of that, I think you're always going to fight that tension. But then I go back to this, and, and, and there's a lot of people out there doing great works, especially social social enterprise, social work, right? Social good. 
And I think we're moving into a place where instead of just thinking about people flourishing, it just being a theory, we're starting to have people who are leading in that way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, a lot of people, I think that listen to your podcast will probably know of Simon Sinek, right? Finding right. your why. Yeah. Well, he just has a new book called The Infinite Game, right? That he learns from a theologian. I can't remember, I can't remember his name, but it's a book called, um, he takes his stuff from a book called uh, the, finite, the Finite and the Infinite Games. Mm. And in, in this book, what he talks about is we live in a society that we just want to win. We want to have the highest profit. We need to hit our KPIs. We need to hit our goals. Whatever our investor says we need to hit, like VCs, right? You know, spend, spend, spend. So we want, want traction, 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 right? Like there's nothing about people there. Mm-hmm. But the infinite game is when we really believe in a vision that's going to transform the world. Mm-hmm. And so to to balance that tension is you need to know what is that goal that you're going after? What is your vision? Even if it's your vision as an entrepreneur that you're building, it just can't be, well, I'm going to start a business. So I can sell it in five, five years and make my, right. make sell and make my millions and, and do something else. Right? right. It's about, I'm going to start X because I believe X can be better in society. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and if you have that, or you work for a company that does that, it's a lot easier to balance those tensions because yeah. you know what you're living for. And then second, I would say, my wife has given me the best piece of advice ever. And it was when I was at the, at the mission, because again, I come from a cutthroat business world. You do mm-hmm. this, this happens, you know, it's a cause and effect kind of thing. Right. Yeah. But she says something, she said, Jose, and, and, you know, after going through seminaries, like, she's like, Jose, your pastoral hat has to trump your business hat mm. because my life is not about business but my life is to build the kingdom of god if that is truly my purpose business is just an avenue how i do that but how i make decisions has to be viewed through a pastoral lens so mm. little things like that just really help me and sometimes i do great man and sometimes i fail miserably yeah. right? but it's it's because we're going against the grain of what society has told us we need to be yeah, and, mm-hmm. I th- and I think, you know, you said, you know, to help a community of people, to help society, to help people around you. Um, but a key to that is, especially, you know, if you're an entrepreneur or in a startup, a key to helping those around you is helping those within. Um, mm-hmm. And and um, one of co-starters, what I read on, I think it was Facebook or their website was, you know, harnessing the power of community to create a strong startup culture. And I think that's so important. But uh, one question is, I don't think this comes as a shock, but there's a pandemic surprise. Um, and I'm no, sure, I heard. really, <laughs> uh, and I'm sure, you know, we're in 2021, who would have thought, but, um, I'm sure with that has come a shift within, you know, what community looks like, um, and how to engage with community safely. Uh, and so I guess the question is how have you kind of pivoted with that shift, um, to help those around you, but then also help the team or teams of companies within. Yeah, great question. So, you know, when the when the pandemic hit, um, it, it it really our company went through a stop, right? Because like, so those listeners who don't know co-starters, everything that we do is in person. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so we teach we we have a train the trainer model that goes to a specific community around the nation. We train them on how to use our resources so that they can then train and support and facilitate a process for aspiring entrepreneurs to start their business. 
but it's all in person, in person cohorts. Pandemic hits. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, what do we do now? <laughs> right. <laughs> and no one wants to spend money. You're hearing a story of businesses failing now because they don't know how to keep up with it. Like, I mean, it's just everything is just in the air. Um, so I remember, so I think this, this is me being transparent. Like I remember sitting on this same couch, on the same chair mm -hmm. that I'm sitting on. It's like, I don't know what we're going to do. Um, and, and I think I say that, you know, and I probably let a listener just like, no, you have to innovate. But the beautiful thing that happened to me at that moment is I was just being transparent with myself of saying like, I don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. Um, and just allowed me to just let be realistic with myself and be real with my team. Mm -hmm. And I also then went to my team and saying, this is not where I thrive. I don't go and wander about how do we solve solutions. I'm great when you have a solution, how do we take that and run with it, right? Mm -hmm. And so it, we really went back to the team and saying, what do we do? Yeah. And we tried things and it's risky. And we took a lot of risks and some things failed and some things succeeded long-term though. Like we made like, so at co-starters, we did some pivots. We started supporting existing businesses cause they're the ones that needed help. Yeah. You know, I won't bore with the kind of the, the, the numbers and everything, but what we did realize is we had a huge impact. I think we supported over 500 businesses wow. Um, wow. over the course of four months. Man. Financially, we didn't see a return on it. So, so if you're looking from a business standpoint, they're like, well, you failed. I'm like, depends what you define failure, right? Mm -hmm. Because our success is to create impact. So we had the impact. We didn't make the monetary value. We're still afloat. But what did we learn from that? And so that opportunity has taught us to say, okay, people need help. People need connection. People need community. People want to want this and they really need it, which has really helped us understand what the future looks like, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I think, yeah. So for me, it was never, are we going to get it right? But for me is we can't be scared to try. Yeah. Right. Um, because again, our long-term vision, you know, our mission statement is to equip individuals and communities to thrive through entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Right. Like our goal is to transform individuals. <clears throat> right. And so we're going to mess it up. Sometimes we're going to get it wrong sometimes, but I think you continue to have to, to continue to try. And, you know, I think, and also I would say the pandemic was a silver lining for us. We had a lot of things that we were doing, but it really made us look back inward and saying, mm -hmm. is everything that we doing actually needed? Like, mm -hmm. is it important? And it like, cause when you're having success and you're making money and you're going, you're, you don't really question it, but then, <laughs> you know, pandemic comes and it starts tightening. It's like, okay, you start questioning everything. And I think, when you look at the pandemic as an opportunity, obviously man, it's horrible what's happening to people and to their businesses. And, and I wish that that is not true. However, we can't control that. So mm -hmm. let's not sit here and, and feel pity about it. Right. But really take this opportunity as an opportunity to really rethink things, not only about ourselves, our businesses, our marriages, our churches, our communities, how we serve, like our life. I mean, I think that's an opportunity. And I, I would say it helped me, you know, yeah, uh, I was unhealthy as an individual. Mm. So not only is my business also going through a transition, but I am an individual going through a transition as well. And just taking that opportunity to really think what's important, which led to my family moving because that's what's important. Yeah. You know, for us, we had to really, what I've 
term to embrace the pause. Mm-hmm. You had to really do that. I mean, you're right. Short term, it destroyed, you know, vision and destroyed the vision that we had for 2020. That's for sure. The budget went out the window, all of those things. But one thing happened was that in the longer run, uh, we needed to slow down and re-examine and reevaluate the things that were working, the things that were not working, and really build a foundation that was going to propel us for the future. And that's what you're talking about, that you had to do even, I love that you even did that personally with your family. And I, I know I've done that even with my health and what, what does God want for my life? Uh, and, and what is my purpose from this point forward? Um, you know, crisis many times brings innovation what were some of the things that you saw with some of the business that you were working with? I know you worked with existing businesses, which was great. Uh, we did that thing too and, and offered our services for free for several months. Um, what were some ways that the businesses were innovating, not just with their business model, but maybe how they did things, maybe how they treated people. Maybe they went to more people centric type of model. Um, what did you see happen during, during that time? Great question. You know, I think every business is 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 different. So it's it's really hard for me to say like this is what we saw, right? Because uh, each one are different. But yeah. I'll lay out some fundamental kind of things that we were sharing with people that really gave them aha moments. Mm-hmm. So one of them is um, cre- innovation doesn't happen without customer discovery. Mm. It's good. And, and what I kept telling these business owners was you have customers. You don't need to go and get out of customers. Your customer's buying pattern has changed. Yeah. And then you have to find out what is it that their biggest challenge is and how are you going to fulfill that biggest challenge? So, for example, there was a, a coffee shop bakery that we heard of and I mean, their business has dropped by like the revenue dropped by 80 percent overnight. Wow. <laughs> Uh, restaurants weren't buying, people weren't going to the coffee shop, people weren't eating at their cafe. But there wasn't, what they found out is that there were people at home and and they were hearing, they're like, man, I have to run to the grocery store like three to four times a, a week and my gro- my nearest grocery store is 10 minutes away. Yeah. Driving. <laughs> wow. And they were in a really little niche neighborhood and what they realized is like, wow, there's no neighborhood market in our neighborhood. But mm. they had all those goods. They had fresh eggs and milk and 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 produce and and bread, like all the kind of stuff. And so they pivoted and became the neighborhood grocery store. Wow. Mm. And incredible, you know. And they're like, it's actually a lot easier to run a grocery <laughs> store than to um than to than to try to reinvent our business, right? But they but they heard from our their client, you know. Uh, another one, uh, this one is out of Chattanooga. It, I can't remember the pizza place it was called, but um, they basically said families need to spend time together. So they basically didn't make the pizza because they wanted the pizza to take uh, be quality coming out of the oven. So they had the dough and the and the toppings and the cheese separate, and they gave instructions on what to do. Wow, really? And then they had instructions on how to have game time with the family. <laughs> Amazing, right? And so like those are just some options of like how people could have changed. So like, again, right. So innovation can't happen without customer discovery. Yeah. The yeah. second thing is being vulnerable, right? So we've mm-hmm. heard Brene Brown talk about vulnerability. That's this huge thing, right? Simon Sinek, but 
what I truly mean about this is that you and I as buyers, if we don't know there's a problem, we don't think about it, right? Mm. And so what we were telling people is just be honest with your customers. If you're about to, like, if you're going to go under in two weeks, ask them for help. Because if you don't ask for help, they think you're fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And so you started seeing people. It's like, hey, if we don't get help, we're going to, we're not going to be here for two more weeks. And then the customers can decide whether they want to support that business or not. And if you have to shut down, it's no problem. It's not your fault. It was just times are changing, right? But I think being honest and vulnerable with your community is super important because to try to show a persona that you're okay is yeah. actually not what we need at this time, right? And then you can see Absolutely. consumers where they're going to spend time. So those are the two things that I would say were the most valuable that people help them understand what to do mm. during this time. No, I love that. It's good stuff. Um, so kind of pivoting a little bit, you know, COVID and all this stuff has just changed the landscape. So it might affect this question a little bit more than usual, but kind of before COVID and maybe even during COVID, you, you've seen this, but what are some issues that startups and um, those who are starting businesses kind of experience kind of that you've seen throughout like some of the same, um, same uh, issues kind of across the board? And like, what would you say to people like, for instance, like something that you think is so big in the long run, it actually isn't that big. Um, but in this moment, you're kind of focusing on that. So in the context of that, what are some things that you would say to help those who are trying to start businesses? Yeah. So let me get what I think. What you're, I, know, I think I know what you're saying. I just want to make sure that I answer it. Mm -hmm. So it's like, in essence, a lot of people who start businesses are visionary. So they have this big, grandiose vision and idea. Yeah but they don't know how to start small. And sometimes just chasing after that big dream kind of gets them into stumbles and they don't know what to do. Yeah. And so what are some things that they could do to stay focused, to meet their, their vision? Is yeah. that kind of what you asked yourself that question so much better <laughs> than I asked it. Yeah. <laughs> well, the reason I know is because people ask me all the time. So I've, I've, I've gotten really yeah. good at it. So yeah, yeah. yeah, that's really good. First man, I think, first of all, God, that is a really good question, right? So, ah, man, so first, as an individual, the person who's starting the business, they need to understand what their strengths are. Number one, I think a lot of times, and even at co-starters, we don't do this really well. Like we do it too down the road too far. But for my opinion, that is the first thing. You have to be self-aware, right? Harvard did this study and has asked a, a bunch of leaders, you know, what's the number one quality that they feel that they that 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 they have to succeed? And they sell self-awareness. Mm. So mm. being self-aware of what your strengths are is number one, because that will actually help you understand where you, what role you should play. Also understanding what you're not good at. Mm -hmm. um, so knowing that second, the thing is if the vision that you have is attainable short term, then your vision is not big enough. Mm -hmm. um, so I would go back to the drawing board. Yeah. Yeah. Then the next step is actually customer validation. Because you may have this vision and you may have this great product, but if the customers don't validate it and want to pay for it, then you don't really have anything to have a hobby. Mm -hmm. I think that third one people have a hard time with because they're like, no, my thing is going to change the world. I believe you. I really truly believe that what you say you truly believe, but does your customer believe that? Yeah. Does the person you're selling to believe that? And it may be that you have the wrong customer. You need to sell to a different customer, right? But that third one is super important. So is what we call an MVP. What is your MVP? How can you validate the market? How can you validate what you're doing? Mm -hmm. And you can do that as a, a restaurant or as a tech company. There's mod multiple models that help you do that. And then fourth, you have to, you know, a lot of businesses don't create actual KPIs, key performance indicators. 
and they don't create key performance indicators for the quarter, for the year, and for five years, hmm. right? And you need to understand what those are, and they can't really change, right? Yeah. And they can be adaptable, but like you gotta hold strong to them, and if you're gonna change, it has to be a good reason, right? So really creating goals and, and indicators that tell you that you're on track to hit that. Hmm. They have to be clear, and concise and, and achievable, right? So, you know, the, the, the SMART acronym for, for goal setting. And then last, I would say having a clear, like having a clear mission and vision, mm-hmm. but also it has to be like consistent. Um, so in business, cons- if you're not consistent, it's gonna kill you, yeah. you know? Um, and, and I learned that in the hospitality industry. I don't care how great, how bad or good your food is. If you can't make it consistently, then you don't really have a business model. You have a hobby. Mm, um, yeah. So the same thing in business. And so um, you, and you're, why do I say your mission and your business has to be consistent? It's because your customers, and, and, and I think people don't understand this, is customers buy, especially the new buyers, the new millennial buyers, they're buying from people they connect with, they believe with, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's a reason why we have so many coffee roasters and coffee shops in all these towns and cities because they're buying from, they'd rather spend more money and buy from somebody they believe in and believe in their mission and their vision, right? And also that can be consistent that their staff believes yeah. and adapts to their mission and vision. Yeah, that's good. That's good. Thank you for so much for being with us. I, I've got one last question for you. This has been great, by the way, and you've you've answered questions that, uh, man, just your answers have been spot on today. Um, we always ask this question or we try to ask this question. We talk about soul care a lot in what we do at work chaplain. What are some ways that you take care of your soul? And what are some ways that employees, founders, innovators, entrepreneurs can take care of their soul? Man. Uh, <laughs> uh let me see here. I know we could probably do a whole <laughs> whole nother other episode. Episode. I know, I know, I know. Season two, we'll do another episode. <laughs> Jose talking about soul care. Ah, uh, man. So one, first, there's a lot of smarter people and more educated people out there that on this topic than I am. I, I can speak from experience though. Um I think as entrepreneurs and visionaries, we feel guilty when we're not working on the business or the organization on the thing. We almost feel like we have to work harder to make it survive. Mm-hmm. And that is not true. Um, what is true is to be still and to be in touch with your emotions. Because if you're just working to work because you wanna see it succeed, but if you're not passionate about what you're doing anymore, then just shut it down because your life is more important than that. And I know that there's probably listeners saying here saying like, how can you say that? But I'm like, would you rather die at the age of 40 out of a heart attack because you're working so hard in something that you just had to prove something right, wrong, or prove people wrong that you could be successful? Would you rather live 80 years, be 80 years old and be with your family and actually have failed at something and just say it's done, it it was what it was, Mm -hmm. but I can actually pursue my passion. It's about perspectives and priorities, right? Yeah, that's good. Only do that if you can slow down, Mm. be still, be in touch with your emotions, and just be honest. Mm. Um, 
So that I would say is the radical thing that you probably should do right away, depending <laughs> where you are. And then, man, um, there's a great book. Um, you know, it's uh, it's called the Celebration of Disciples of Disciplines, which talks about rhythms, mm-hmm. right? And so, like the disciplines of having rhythms in your life and seeing God in that, like it talks about there's like having a rhythm of washing dishes, yeah, and seeing God in that, or a rhythm of changing diapers and you've seen <laughs> God in that. We're like, what? But it's super powerful yes. because every single time as Christians, and I'll make this really quick, it's like as Christians, we only want to go to the to the mountain and see the fire. Mm-hmm. But in reality, in our life, that only happens once or twice, three times in our lives. And if you look at a scripture, but it's the daily life that really matters because mm-hmm. those high moments are supposed to remind us that we're here and that God is with us. Yeah. And so, but that book, The Celebration of Disciplines, has helped me to slow down and see the beauty in God. So, I mean, there's so much more, <laughs> yeah. uh, but I would say those two things I probably are the main things that I look in, to look to, to, to do some soul care. Absolutely. That's great stuff, man. We really appreciate you being on today. How can people find you on social media, online? What What are some ways that we can uh, help you get the word out about co-starters and what you're doing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so actually, I'm not on Twitter, and I probably should. So I, everybody's getting <laughs> me right. It's a cesspool <laughs> these days. We don't want to be on yeah, but yeah, no, you can find me on Facebook as Jose Alfaro, or you can find co-starters. You'll see it there. You can also uh, go onto our website at co-starters.co at my team and just read uh, under the bio. They can link in to my LinkedIn, and I'm I'm really heavy on LinkedIn, uh, so yeah. you'll see a lot of my posts and stuff that I promote, you know, every, once a month to kind of write some type of uh, advice for small businesses on, on LinkedIn. Awesome. Thanks, Jose. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon. Today's episode is sponsored by Work Chaplain. Work Chaplain ignites hope and gives comfort when life doesn't go as planned. They provide soul care and encouragement to businesses throughout the world. Work Chaplain equips businesses with compassionate chaplains that seek to build relationships and support each employee and their families to help advance the vision of the business. Your team's success is their team's goal. Whether virtual or in-person, Work Chaplain creates a safe space that helps foster a healthy and thriving workplace culture. Connect with Work Chaplain today at workchaplain.com and follow them on all social media platforms.